Master Tavern Keepers, History of the Old World. So, Heinrich, do you mean that you have not heard of the Jinn of Araby then? No, Master Tavernkeeper, that is not what I meant. I merely misunderstood. In fact, I myself spoke to you all about a Jinn yesterday. Do you not recall that my grandpapa encountered a Jinn whilst aboard the boat of his Marco Colombo? Ah, yes, so you did. So, I am clearly aware of them, but uh, that is all I know. Perhaps you can enlighten me, until. Uh, Neophytes, too. Father, what are these jinn? Ah, yes, of course. And to be perfectly honest, I too was barely aware of them until my stint in the desert. And, as it happens, what are these jinn? Is exactly the question I myself too asked the wise men of the Tuareg when our warband found ourselves in the northwest of Araby, camped out in the shadow of the Atalan Mountains, as I recall. Honourable Elder, may I ask, what are these jinn? So, you want to know about the jinn, Outlander? You are most direct. It is very rude, but I will indulge you. Also, many would not. In essence, these are spirits. Wild natural things that magic workers can capture within special jars and bind them to their will, forcing them to do their bidding. Long ago, I saw one of these men shatter one of these jars on the slopes of Vulture Mountain, northeast of the land of the Dervishes. He held it up high before bringing it crashing down onto the rocks below. And out of the splintered debris rose up a billowing cloud, a sick, oily thing that towered over us all hundreds of feet high. I ran. It is the only option if you wish to avoid death. But Outlander know this, so... Such a spirit will only obey a single command before it dissipates away. From that point onwards, it is free to do as it wishes. This will sometimes see them seeking revenge on those they once served. These are not forces to meddle with, without due care and consideration. Also know this though, Outlander. Whilst it remains in the magician's power, 
These spirits will pour every ounce of their strength into completing their appointed task. There is another way to tame them, though. Although only one open to the most powerful of magicians such as the accursed Jarfar or the Golden Magus. Some magicians develop and own their ability to actually summon jinn unto themselves and then channel the jinn's power through the magician's own body so that they can curse kill and lay waste to their force. There is always a price, though. There is always a price. Oh, yeah, I see, uh, but uh, I still don't understand. What are these jinns then? Are they some kind of demon? Ugh, no, not that. Not in the way that you mean. They are actually elemental spirits. These can resemble demons in their powers, but are very much tied to our own world, rather than the, the realm of the dark gods. The first thing you need to understand is this. Every single plant, tree, river, rock, has within it an energy, a spirit if you like, that can be awakened. And believe me, there are many that have become awakened in uh, old Albion, let me tell you. Anyhow, as a truth there, I personally encountered many of these more, um, what's the word, dormant forms during my time at the seminary, for I was uh, taught how to communicate and commune with these sleeping spirits of nature. Oh, really? So, what are they like then, these nature spirits? Ugh, to be perfectly honest, obtuse, more often than not, they don't really have any sense of a, a personal identity for their, uh, their memories. The very things that colour what each of us are are those of their element in its entirety. This means that sometimes an individual elemental will seem to be very wise with regards one thing, but no better than an Egypt on something else. But, but are they alive? Like us, I mean. Ach, well, they're indeed living entities, but they're not like us. That said, there is one thing they share in common with us, though, and that is the fact that they can be killed. Just a moment, Cedric, before you go any further. So what about dryads, then? Or the treemen, such as those that you uh, told us about during your retelling of the tragedy of Macbeth? Are these elemental spirits, too? Ach, no. Treemen are indeed a form of ancient spirit, but different again. They are one that chooses to bind with one of the uh, ancient trees, blending their essences until death does them part. Dryads, on the other hand, are something else again, a race of spiteful shapeshifters. Both are uh, worthy of talking about separately from elementals, though, for they are mm, something else, let's say. It is a thing like the nature spirit of a rock or a tree that we call an elemental. Please, Master Alchemist, Excuse me for interrupting you once more, but you've used this word again, and the Master Tavernkeeper used the word as well. What do you mean by elemental? 
as in the elements. Earth and wind and sea and so on. Ach, exactly. You're a very perceptive man, my dear knight. Oh, why thank you. Flattery will get you everywhere. Steady on, fellas. But the master alchemist here is quite correct. Almost all of the jinn, too, equate to one of the known elements of our world. The earth, the sea, the wind, and fire. So what, then, is the relationship between these uh, docile nature spirits and these roaring elementals, such as uh, the jinn, as they're called in Araby? Oh, well, nature spirits can sometimes become swollen with power and evolve into feral, magical creatures. This tends to happen when they're exposed to high concentrations of magical energy. These uh, magical energies will fill the empty glass that is the dormant nature spirit, and in doing so, it will grow and unshackle itself, still keeping the character of its original form, but also embodying the hue of the wind of magic that empowered it. In this way, each of these incarnate elementals will thus show a certain facet of the quintessence of the wind from whence it came. Although, that said, there is a tendency for them to uh, display its most destructive aspects. Wind? Hugh, are you saying that magic is a wind and it has a colour? Ach, well, to those that have attuned themselves to see it that way at least, yes. The elves oft refer to magic in such terms, as does the uh, master tavernkeeper here. Ah, indeed I do. Although the reason for that is quite simple. My understanding of magic was very much coloured, if you excuse the pun, by the person who taught me it all, the exiled archmage, Cal Hordis Whitemane. But it's not the only way to perceive it. But I'm thinking that the conversation might get a wee bit uh, too esoteric and boring if we follow this path any further. Let's just leave it at this. There are colours of magic. And there are certain colours that are particularly prone to generate elementals, especially the big ones. What? So these creatures come in different sizes? Oh, they most certainly do. The largest, my mentor, called the Incarnates. We often used to see them in the uh, aftermath of one of the storms of magic that saw Plague Albion. Although, I've also heard it said that they can be created through certain uh, prescribed rituals. But I truthfully do not know anything about all that, I can assure you. Anyhow, the incarnates that we truth sayers encountered the most were those created by the winds of magic of Gur, Akshi and Shaish. The elemental incarnates of beasts, fire and death. Although I know of at least one other. For I heard some of my fellow sailors tell of creatures that arose from the depths and were solely made out of water. Ach, yes, those would be incarnate elementals of Gairan, embodiments of life magic. Oh, and I just remembered this. When I was on the Norse whaling boat, the Oman Baden, I worked alongside a Kossar, the son of a mercenary who'd fought against his own people, the Ungols, alongside the Gospodars when they first invaded what we now call Kislev. He told me that his father had told him of wind demons that haunt the eastern steppes. Oh, well, they'd be incarnate elementals of Haish, the white wind of magic, I'd hazard. Ah, 
He also told me that the Gospodars his father had fought with spoke of their own gods, manifesting as massive bears made from rock and ice. Oh, yeah, and my comrade Sven Hammerhelm once recounted an old tale to me involving a creature made from living rock and metallic ore that some dwarf miners of Barakvan had related to him. It uh, did not end well for the miners. Ach, yes, those all sound like elementals to me. I see. Fascinating. What else then can you tell us about these elementals, Cedric? Ach, well, we primarily studied the four most common types of elementals. Fire, water, air and earth at the Druidic Seminary. The first ones we studied were the fire elementals, and the first one of these I ever saw was a very disturbing sight. It was a burning man who possessed blinding white piercing eyes that looked out from an incandescent skull. He was very volatile and powerful, but also quite fragile. He had to be careful to always be in contact with both the earth and the air, or else he'd splutter out and quickly become extinguished. He could move about quite freely, seep through cracks under a door or an ill-fitting gap in a wall, but obviously couldn't move through anything solid, nor over water. Needless to say, he had to keep out of the rain too. Not an easy task in Albion. Which leads us nicely on to talk of water elementals. Now, I encountered a number of these out on the western shores of Albion. I recall we saw some that looked like huge waves, from which a figure leapt forth made of froth and water. Ah, yes, those are the sort I'd heard tell of. But I recall the old truth there from my home village of Cranachmere, Baldock, telling me of an elemental he'd seen out on the edge of Ochness. This one, he said, was more like a, a water spout. Ah, so you only see these over bodies of water, then? Oh, no. But when they travel over land, they appear like a, a torrent of driving rain, crashing against the earth below, and then immediately rising up again. The overall effect is like watching a swirling cyclone of water rolling through the air. And so, onto air. These are what your friend from Kislev was talking about. And they are the trickiest to find for. More often than not, they're invisible. The ones I encountered, though, had uh, taken the form of a swirling, cloudy figure that was there, and yet uh, not. The last of the four major elementals we studied were those of the Earth. These are the most common, truth be told. They come in a variety of shapes and sizes, from beasts to monsters to men. One thing they all have in common, though, is that each has a tough, rough, stony skin, although the colour and uh, texture varies greatly. Some, for example, are studied with gems, whilst others are rusted with iron ore. These two must remain in contact with their element, the ground in this case, at all times, for if they do not, then they will begin to crumble to dust. And, uh, well, that's it. Does that satisfy your questions? Ah, yes, I'd say so. 
Would you not agree, Heinrich? Oh, yeah, yeah. I would say so, too. But what about your gin, then, Septimus? Do they also fall into these categories? Ah, well, yes. More or less, although there is much more to them than simply that.